0: Hello, welcome to Spilling Chai on the Pain Gap. I'm your host, Anushay Hussain. And for someone who spent most of her 20s not ever wanting to have a, uh, be a mom and have kids, uh, I'm kind of obsessed with motherhood now, especially motherhood in America, mainly because it's full of so much contradictions and cruelty, <laughs> which is why our guest today, Erin S. Lane, and her new book, Someone Other Than a Mother, Flipping the Scripts on a Woman's Purpose and Making Meaning Beyond Motherhood is just the perfect book for us to discuss. I'm gonna read you her bio because if you haven't heard of her work, you should definitely check it out. So Erin S. Lane is a writer, theologian, and someone other than a mother. She is most recently the author of Lessons in Belonging from a church going Commitment Vote. She holds a bachelor's degree from Davidson College and a master's degree from Duke Divinity School, both with a focus on gender studies. Mentored by Parker J. Palmer and the Center for Courage and Renewal, she works as a vocational retreat facilitator, helping people discern their wildest questions of purpose. She resides in North Carolina with her improbable kin, and she is our guest today. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much. Erin S. Lane. I feel like I should always call you Erin S. Lane. (laughs) The
1: S is pretty special. Uh, What does
0: the S stand for, should I ask? Stefan. Stefan.
1: S-T-E-F-F-E-N. It was my grandmother's maiden name.
0: Are you, do you have any Scandinavian roots, like Danish? Or Swedish? No, Irish.
1: So it's it's an Irish name. That's um, very interesting. Which is where I get my freckles and Catholicism from. <laughs> Okay, I love that you said that because I feel like when I was reading your book, I
0: actually rarely laugh out loud, but I love, um, I loved your humor and I feel like that's what I really connected with you um, over on Instagram as well. And your book now, Someone Other Than a Mother, Flipping the Scripts on a Woman's Purpose and Making a Meaning Beyond Motherhood is out now. It was released April 26th. I can see, I recognize... I'll see your chest swelling up. (laughs) I know, right? It's like a pandemic baby. You're so proud, but also slightly traumatized by the writing process. You
1: know, you know.
0: (laughs) I do that too. I'm like, I see, I see my book and I'm so happy, but I'm also like (laughs) PTSD. I feel like in many ways, this is the book I always thought I was going to write minus the religion, but like, cause I'm not as I'm very spiritual, more, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a fem, feminism is my religion, but I really feel like th- this is the book that, I, I, I don't know, I just felt like, yes, yes, this is the book I kind of wanted to write. Um, Wait, please tell me that free story. Why do you think this <laughs> was the
1: book that you wanted to write?
0: Because I'm kind of obsessed with motherhood in America. Mm-hmm, I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with motherhood in America and just motherhood in general. Uh, before I became a mother and then after I became a mother because like you kind of I never ever wanted to get married I never ever wanted to be a mom because of all of these socially constructed like these are your roles right yes so I love I just I mean, the whole I could I could talk about motherhood in America forever. So I'm gonna dive into my first question because I think okay. I only have you okay. for a bit. So the idea of motherhood in America, right, is so weird. It's so I I mean the, the concept of it is like on this pedestal, but the yeah. reality of it is really harsh and cruel. I'm talking about maternal health, America's maternal health crisis, paid uh, parental leave, what have you, affordable childcare. What do you have to say about that? What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, so this book, uh, Someone Other Than a Mother, takes issue not with motherhood or mothering as a beautiful act of care and love and meeting mutual needs of adults and children, um, but really takes issue with the veneration of motherhood as a superior source of meaning, identity, and love to all the others, and that often is the American view Um, i think we have a hard time in america not speaking in hyperbole for one Um, but also it's what i call maternal exceptionalism this idea that there is something exceptional about mothers and exceptional about their loves this is where you kind of get the social script you've never known love like you've known before you become a mother all of these narratives are very closely tied i think to american exceptionalism or this idea that we have to create a hierarchy um, in order to make something or someone feel valuable. And what I'm really suspicious of is how the veneration of mothers actually obscures the really terrible tragic conditions that caregivers actually experience in this country. And I wonder, is the celebration, um, are the platitudes, um are the liturgies are the flowers and cards and these beautiful things that like yes make us feel special um are they actually um supposed to be are they functioning as consolation prizes yes that we don't actually have to do the work of making sure that family-friendly values are backed up by family-friendly policies
0: yeah i mean it's it's almost like it's like a a pat on the back or the pink band-aid
1: here you go (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll yes, this that should age. make you happy. Surely, yeah. if we just give you breakfast in bed, yeah, you're like, but, we'll but I'm bleeding happy. to death. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm simply I haven't recovered from my C-section, and I have to go back to work. What about that? Um, yeah, absolutely. You, you write um, in in the preface of your book, you say that the quote, "You don't know love until you became become a mother," uh, really fucked with you. Pardon my French, yes, but did. to quote yes, you,
1: did. Uh, tell me more about that. First of all, I tried so many different verbs in that sentence, and I was like, no, it's got to be fucked. I'm so sorry. Can I tell you something? Um, yes. I, that is that is actually my favorite word.
0: It really is. <laughs> I, I saw a meme one time that was like, I'm just a, a highly educated woman who likes to say fuck a lot. And I'm like, that's the best word. It's really bad when you're a mom, I know. But I mean, it just expresses so much. So I'm glad you used that
1: well we teach our girls we have three girls um that there are no bad words only bad uses and so you can say uh, an appropriately and well-placed fuck what you can't say is like fuck you and you know like not do the hard important work of love and reconciliation um so what i meant by that 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 mother script you've never known love until you become a mother really fucked with me both before i became a mother and after i became a mother so before i became a mother i was happily child free my husband and i called it or more specifically i called it because i'm the writer always coming up with these like turns of phrases to explain my ambiguous life child free for the common good we saw ourselves as two people who were better together but better without children of our own And that we saw our role as not being free from children, which seems to be the picture that a lot of childless or child free folk get put on them, um, that they are, as one anthology puts it, selfish, shallow and self-absorbed, that they want to shirk responsibility rather than what we really saw our calling as is by shirking this one responsibility. Um, to care for our community in a different kind of way is actually what made that care possible. Um, unexpectedly, though, we became foster parents. That part was expected. <laughs> we, were, we were curious about how we could come alongside parents in our community, um, but then unexpectedly ended up adopting the first three girls placed with us. All that's to say, when we were child-free, I heard that script, and I thought, I mean... I don't really think that's true, but I guess there's no way of knowing because it can't be refuted. Like if you tell me, I just don't know until I experience this and I don't want to experience it or plan on experience it, or for some folks, they can't experience this biological, um, because often it's it's most used towards biological mothers. If we don't have this flood of hormones, um, will we ever get to know the highest form of love? I didn't think it was true, But again, there was no way of knowing. And so I told a narrative for a really long time that I was just not capable of that love and I was okay with it rather than feeling like, because I had no irrefutable evidence that like (laughs) I was missing out. And then I became a mom. And that's actually what like really made me mad and really made me sad and incited writing this book is that. Again, I didn't become a biological mom, so the jury's still out on like what I would have known or not known had I gone that route. But I did become a parent in one particular official kind of way. And the truth is I didn't feel like I I was so much larger and bigger and more empathetic and less of an asshole than I was before, right? Like I was learning things. My capacity was growing, but it felt like it was growing in the sense of like I was becoming an adult. Who is just further learning what it's like to have needs and meet needs and be able to like advocate for myself and others, which I think is the very different definition of a life well-lived. And so it fucked with me after becoming a mother, because then it made me feel like, well, everyone else is talking about their children as if, as if they are, um, amazing. These amazing angels, the right? The shortcut to enlightenment, <laughs> as I like to say, right? Yeah. A shortcut to enlightenment. And I'm like, woo! children are people too and sometimes they say enlightening things and sometimes Mm -hmm. they are incredibly um infuriating and limited like all of us so um yeah that that script was hard for me
0: well you became a mother and you realized you're still um an asshole with the same who still likes to say fuck right (laughs) me so, i feel like oh, that's still me um oh my god i love this interview so much i could talk to you forever especially that we bonded over the word because i feel like people judge me on it a lot and like sometimes it comes out in interviews and i'm like that's just me <laughs> and i mean it um so i feel like we have quite a few parallels in our work and i started my when when you're working with so many uh women's stories getting those stories getting that trust um that in itself is a really big labor a part of a a different kind of research you know when i first started writing my book that's where i started I, i started talking to women and i started with women how about you how did you go about collecting um, because these stories are so important and I love how you put emphasis on it because women's experiences, mm. our narratives, our point of view on this topic that has been defined and kind of placed on us is so important and rare. So how did you do
1: that? Mm. Thank you. And thank you for doing that work too. It's terrifying work to hold other people's stories. Like there are a lot of like 3am panic attacks. Yes.
0: Did I say that? Yes. Did no. they tell me <laughs> on the or off the record off the record? You say that in your book. You're like, I don't want to break anything. I broke everything.
1: I love that. I mean, I don't love that you felt like that, but I understand. But you know, but you know. Yeah, so if I had written a straight memoir, I felt like my story is weird and particular and there aren't a lot of other people I know who were like resolutely child-free and then unexpectedly with air quotes became parents. Um, And people are like, but you became a foster parent. Did you not know children were involved? And I was like, we did, but I was really imagining more like the social workers and the guardian ad life. I was like really excited about the adult community and I just didn't have an imagination for like little people under my roof. Um, so it did feel unexpected when we became parents and we became parents in a pretty unconventional way. And so if I were only to have told, have if I were only told that story, um, I felt like people might've thought it fascinating or funny Um, or important in some ways, but it wouldn't have, I don't think, done the work of saying there is a multiplicity of stories to motherhood and not motherhood. And this is the problem is that, um, as Rebecca Solnit says, we speak as though there's only one good plot with one happy outcome when all of these different ways of flourishing exist around us. And so it felt really important to me to highlight other women's stories um, so that mine didn't stand in. Um, as the sole voice on the female experience or the child free experience or the adoptive mom experience because there are archetypes for all of those experiences that I wanted to trouble. How I found these women, I mean, I could have done like the sociological thing, right, and put out like a call for interviews. um, And that would have been lovely if I were being funded by like a big research tank or institution, but I wasn't, I just had my author's advance. And I was like, you know, I already know so many brilliant women who are making meaning beyond motherhood that I think I just want to start sitting down with them um, and hearing their stories first um, and celebrating them in the way I wish I had been celebrated before I became a mother and telling them what I wish I had been told, which is like, one parenting's not all it's cracked up to be, it's good and holy and harrowing. Um, But like, I want to tell you as someone that's on the other side of it, that like you are still living and can still live a big, beautiful, brilliant life, whether you ever experienced this kind of caregiving or not. And so that's how the stories came. I just was like, I know some people, most of them were personal friends. A few of them were writers um, who I had read their work and thought, oh, interesting. I don't feel like your perspective is yet reflected. And a lot of them are women of faith um, or were women of faith and then realized that a lot of our spiritual communities, um, a lot of our religious communities have particular stigmas um, for women who are going off script from the traditional motherhood route.
0: Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole. That's a whole book in itself. Um, I want to ask because I was kind of shocked, shocked when I was researching, um, researching you and your work that you ended up
1: adopting not one, not two, but three. I know. It, th- thank you, know? you. Thank you for your shock. I receive it and appreciate it. It's it's it's
0: amazing. I feel like you kind of were like, it's not all about motherhood, but I am the grandmother. Like you did. I mean, such. A, I feel like one of the. I mean, one of the
1: greatest acts of motherhood, right? adopting, taking on. Well, other, so. so I think that's one of the myths, right? That like adoptive moms or foster moms are like the grandmoms, right? Because it's like, surely yes. we can love our own. But whoa, whoa,
0: you're no. loving someone else's children? No,
1: you kind of took the the extra,
0: you did the extra credit homework on like all the accolades of motherhood, but you did like the extra credit. So I, I want to know how you ended up taking on, really, I mean, yeah, not to over, gla- not to romantic it more but not because they're not your own children but the act of adopting I mean that is serious how did you go from I want to be in a community and the community's children I am like to that's a lot not one not two
1: three kids three girls you adopted that's incredible how did that happen yeah well we always let me go back to the beginning So we wanted to be child-free for the common good. We were trying to be available primarily to our friends who had started having kids in their late 20s, early 30s and realizing we're gonna have to shift our life and rhythm if we want to still have mutual thriving relationships with these people. And even so, um, there was just something about that early stage of parenting for a lot of our friends and probably like the self-righteous crusade. (laughs) Ooh, horrible word. Um, that my partner and I were on to be like useful to our community that just like didn't meet up. It didn't match. It was just really painful and hard when parents started becoming, when friends started becoming parents, um, to feel like we were having the kind of like meaningful relationships that we longed for.
0: You feel so and left out. I we've been Do You there. remember it? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's
0: so weird. And now I try to be so conscious of not doing that yes. to other women. But I feel like I'm yes. doing a very bad job of that because I just don't know. Oh that's
1: so well, complicated when you become a parent. <laughs> it is, right? Because you're I feel like especially now, a lot I often have the vibe like I really don't want to be that mom. And sometimes I have to accept that I am, that like I am just fitting a stereotype for like a hot five minutes. And then other times um, I can can be available in more surprising, shocking ways. (laughs) But so that was one one reason um, we decided to foster is because we really did have this conviction um, that comes from our faith tradition um, to take care of one another. um, And to specifically to take care of people who haven't been taken care of well. Um, by society. And so we thought, well, fostering is one way to do that. And my husband and I are like impossible introverts. So we were like, I think, I think whatever happens needs to happen in our home for it to not feel like quote service work or like volunteering. Cause that just felt really thin and like voyeuristic. Um, and so we really wanted a relationship where there was going to be like mutual needs that we could meet the needs of children and their families. Um, but also that like we had a need, again, to like be hospitable and like use our gifts and um, be more comfortable in our own skin. And again, not wanting to use anyone as a vehicle for that, but just realizing that there could be some mutually beneficial reasons to um, inviting the stranger in into our lives and recognizing ourselves as strangers. To some social issues in our community. Yeah. How are you finding motherhood?
0: (laughs) <laughs> Any regrets off the record? <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: No, I mean, there are tons of regrets. Um,
0: <laughs> I love it. This I is find... how people, this is how women need to talk about motherhood. I mean, right? the women don't tell each other or the stories we don't tell each other. We have to be more real. It is not all mother-daughter tea dates or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, my husband and I regularly look at one another and we're just like, what did we do? Um, And... <laughs> Yeah, um, so yes, I am finding motherhood really difficult. Um, Mostly, I think it's difficult because of all of the narratives around it. And even, and this is the part I didn't expect, the narratives my children have around motherhood and what they expect or want from their parents. Like, it's 3 p.m. and I want to go to the mall. I clearly see you're here. Why can't you drive me? And I'm like, listen, yeah. I'm working so five. <laughs> I know I just went outside and sat on the porch with the dog and like spaced <laughs> out, but like this is like a needed break and then I'm gonna go back to it. Yeah. And feeling like I constantly feel like I'm disappointing people. Yes. Um and disappointing myself it's Um, hard
0: as well when you're a writer because that time is really important like i always tell my children just if you see me writing please don't interrupt me but i feel like it's not possible for them to do that and to get uninterrupted time as a mom is is really really kind of impossible and difficult so you feel even more
1: selfish i feel like i'm always like oh i'm such a bad mom but i have to write this now (laughs) yes and my kids are really extroverted So I don't think they understand when I'm like always waxing poetic about like alone time and I need to recharge. And I promise this is an act of love. They're like, I don't, what? It doesn't feel like an act of love when you shut the door and put the sign on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't tried the signs. I'm gonna start doing the signs, baby. Oh my God, alone time. That is like, what I, I. I don't know how many times a day I say that. I'm like, I need my alone yeah. time, mommy. But I feel like with people, they would respect you for it. People don't believe that I need alone time because they think I'm such an extrovert, but I'm actually an introverted extrovert.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Like I very much. Like I'm, I'm very energized talking to you right now. And then afterwards, I will be like, no one talk to me for the next three hours. <laughs> yeah.
0: Me too. How After are this you interview, motherhood. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I challenging, but I love it. I was taken so by surprise by it. I mean, yeah. I married a man who all he wanted to do, he wanted to have like 15 kids. And when I met him, I was like, it's probably not going to happen. But I really love you. And he gave me a cat. So I was like, this is my dream man.
1: <laughs> actually, every mm-hmm. time you want
0: a kid, I'm like, I, you have to negotiate with a cat. Um, I actually love it. I really, really, yeah. it. but it's been, it's it's very hard and I'm learning every day. And now, you know, I have a four year old, which is gonna be five later this month. So I guess an almost five year old and uh, soon to be 11 year old. And My eldest, they both teach me so much, but my eldest is a real challenge. Like, and I'm really trying to be like a mom, like a a really kind of like informed (laughs) come and speak to me, Um, mom, but I feel like you learn every day. It's just like a constant constant education, right? Because you think one way, it's another way, plus the pandemic kids so, these days, they know so much like my daughter is so different from me. She will ask me questions. And I'll be like, that is such a good question. Or she makes such good points. She's such a good debater. Sometimes I'm like, I should have just kept her illiterate and uneducated. <laughs> that would have been easier.
1: Oh Lord.
0: <laughs> my! kids, are, My kids are too smart. I think this is what I'm seeing now. And you're oh right. They're gosh. always like, this is what I want to do because you really don't see your parents, right? As parents, I, I think until as people I yeah individuals i think i think i'm just starting to do that with my own parents so i'm very yeah. much with my kids like hey I, i'm an individual i had a life before you and they're like we want snacks
1: <laughs> <laughs> right 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 why is there no chocolate in the house yes yeah, so um it's an yeah i and i think what i would add to that and I, I thank you for saying you love it i i feel like sometimes i um like to play the contrarian um and don't celebrate the parts of it I really do love because I do sometimes still feel a huge sense of an inadequacy that the hands-on part of parenting is really exhausting and not super fun for me but like I love researching for my children (laughs) like I love researching what camp would be super fun and like which one has like really like cool counselors and cool values and like is picking up on a thread i heard them mention in passing and i love planning our vacations and being on airbnb for like two and a half hours um and being oh, like oh, but i do would, that all the time right they would find really that, bunk that. situation so cool I'm like an um,
0: Airbnb, like professional yes. uh, vacation planner. I'm really good yes. at
1: it. <laughs> that's know. a skill. Okay. <laughs> should into we should go. Into should to like, I've already curated all of the options for you. If you want this trip, if you want this trip. And I feel like that's not the stuff, one, that they see, right? Yes. They don't see how many hours I put into that. And so having to externalize or narrate um, the shape of my love to them and to the outside world is hard. Um, but I do love when there are those moments where I'm like, yeah, like I, I love resourcing people. That's why I'm a writer. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm a vocational facilitator. And that's what I love about being a parent is like resourcing how you can become your best self and just giving you things to be like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about Mm -hmm. this? Uh, you're going to be
0: so great when it's time for them to go to college. They're probably going to be like, mom, can you write my essay? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be like, let me research it for you. Um, but you know what? It's it, it, You're right. There's so much invisible labor, so yes. much invisible emotional labor too. And then nobody appreciates it. I mean, yeah, it. no. And that's when you become that mom. You're like, I feel so unappreciated. I, <laughs> well,
1: yes. I, my partner does all of the cooking. Um, and um, so often our girls will thank him. Um, Thanks so much for dinner. And I'm like, hey dude, every now and then, like I'm not gonna make them thank me cause that I, that never goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey dude, every now and then, could you just like give me a shout out that like Aaron planned the meal. Aaron shops for the meal. Like Aaron rips that recipe out of real simple. Like, can you just like make, can you make visible? Some of the things that are invisible and i think that's that's the work a lot of allies to mothers i think can do is when you see work being invisible like make it visible celebrate the thing because what we celebrate matters
0: I also think a big, um, I love that. I love how you write, uh, talk, speak how you write. Like sometimes you're speaking and I'm like writing down notes of ways you have like articulated things is very, Mm. uh, I guess that's why you're a writer. (laughs) Um, But um, I forgot my point about how important it is for the acknowledgements. But I probably, hopefully will come back to that probably when you're answering my next and last (laughs) question. Um, So I love how your book is set up in solutions or um, you offer, offer your readers an, uh, an alternative script. I love that because when I do work with women and in all my feminist work and my writing, my advocacy, I never like to be like, this is the problem and toodles. It's like, no, this is a problem. <laughs> and here yeah. are other ways we can, uh, we can go through it. So Um, because I feel like I call for this in my book too. We need like a cultural shift. And one of the most radical things that I propose in my book is, can we believe women, women of color? Because right now the de facto response is, no, we can't, we don't believe women. Um, So I feel like you're kind of asking for a cultural shift as well. And are you hopeful that we can make that shift required for women to be someone other than a mother?
1: Oh, yes and no. I know that's such a cop out answer. But yes and no, I think no, I'm not hopeful. um, Because I think it's just easier to think in binaries. It's easier to think in woman, not real woman, childless, childful, um, selfish, selfless, like it's just it's hard. um, And it takes time. It takes time. Um, And it's messy to do the work of telling the full story, especially in small talk conversations, (laughs) especially in our soundbite culture. Like it's just really hard to give the full picture um, and to feel seen and understood.
0: It's like Um, when people ask you, how are you? And we say, fine. And it's like, do you really actually want to know in year three of a pandemic as a mom
1: (laughs) how I am? People are like, no, we don't want to know. We want to hear, fine, thanks, (laughs) move on, right? Absolutely. And again, like, I just think our policies in this country aren't, I'm just not seeing a lot of shift. In fact, I'm seeing some backsliding.
0: My um, god, yeah, I mean, it's about to
1: go back yeah. to like the freaking 40s and 50s, right to letting women be autonomous, full, imperfect people. Um, so on the one hand, no, I'm not hopeful. On the other hand, though, this book has been so encouraging it's only been out for a week encouraging to me um it's only been out for a week and i just feel like i've heard from so many women who to be honest i didn't expect to like the book love the book um be able to take something from it i wrote it for moms and non-moms but i privileged the story of the childless the child free and unlikely families because i felt like those were the stories that were under celebrated and undervalued. I think much like in your own book, you primarily tell the stories of women of color because those are the stories of paternal experiences um, and disappointments and failures that again are underrepresented or dismissed. Um, but I think I've just been really encouraged by how many women who are mothering um, are like, yes, I also want to be someone other than a mother and I didn't have the language for it and I think again I keep going back to that phrase like what we celebrate matters and it's not again that mothers or mother's day (laughs) is not worth celebrating it's just that there are so many other forms of love and care and identity um, that I want women and humans um, to be able to like flow in and out of, and not feel like they always and forevermore have to be one thing or have one feeling or one narrative.
0: I love that. And you know, when I was reading your book, I just kept thinking that you were so brave. You were so brave to approach this topic because women not only sometimes don't, as I know from my book, don't believe other women, don't give yes. that credibility to other women, but uh, sometimes the harshest judgments. I mean, this book, I feel like, I don't know if you could have published it maybe five or 10 years ago, right? Yes, because
1: I absolutely Women agree are starting
0: to talk now. I mean, one thing I'm really grateful about now is that women are starting to talk. They're like, actually, this sucks, or I've been depressed postpartum is forever, or, or this or that. So it was so brave. Were you... I have, I know, I, I only have 30 minutes with you. But my last, last, last question. Were you, um, were you scared? Did you
1: ever oh. feel a little scared? Oh, oh, I'm scared all the time. All the time, I'm scared all the time. Um. Yes, and I was particularly scared about, there's this one line in this one part in the last chapter. And I say, I think every shred of shame that I have swallowed both before becoming a parent and after becoming a parent It's not because I don't love children or not because I don't love my children, but because I don't love them exceptionally. Um, I don't love them to the exclusion of other loves in my life. And it was that line that kept me up at night and I was like, why did I say that? Um, Why did I say that? Um, Because I feel like people are going to be worried for me (laughs) and worried for my children and feel very threatened. Because again, often when women hear another woman say, I have a different experience, um, sometimes instead of getting curious, we get threatened. Like, oh, does that experience then negate my experience? And I was so worried that part was going to be so hurtful to people for whom that is an exceptional love in their lives, and to my girls, um, if they ever read the book, which they are showing no interest in for the time being. Um, but if they ever read the book, I really, really want them to know, like, you can still love something wildly, even if it's not exceptionally. And I want them to live vocationally polyamorous lives. And that is the life that that is most compelling to me. So yes, that's the line that scares me the most. Um, but so far, so far, um, yeah, so far, I, I'm i waking up every day scared and going to bed every night savoring. Oh,
0: I love that. I love that because that is where the greatest kind of satisfaction is. Right? What is that quote? Everything you want is on the opposite side of fear the other side of fear Uh, so uh you're uh I mean I really that was I haven't finished the book yet but that was something I just kept thinking I'm like wow man she has you know I'm gonna stop saying she has balls because I saw this Betty White quote which is so true about how balls are like sensitive and weak and it's like vaginas are like so strong I'm like you know that is so true but so not that you have balls but like you are really you are really brave and just your bravery I feel like is gonna Open up so many important conversations about honesty, about motherhood, and who wants who gets to be what in the richest democracy in the world. Because yes. if we can't get it right here, I mean, uh, the rest of women around the world will be effectively fucked. <laughs> <Our> <laughs>
1: there we go, word. getting one
0: more fucked in. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I I love this conversation. Erin is slain is out now i highly recommend everybody get it thank you so much for sending my coffee and i will be in touch soon thank you so much for spilling chai with us
1: oh my gosh this was delightful thank you
0: okay now we're going to go back into our little alone time holes
1: great (laughs) thanks so much i'm sweating i'm having so much fun Eat a couple of cocktails. We have a I great know, time. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, next time you're spilling up in vodka. GD,
0: spilling vodka. Oh my God. I can't believe you said that. That is like. It's like the after party show. <laughs> I might take that idea. Oh my God. The late <laughs> night. After hours. Spilling yeah. vodka. That is hilarious. Spilling vodka with my cats. Ooh. There you go. <laughs> thank, you so, yeah. thank you so much, Erin. I will be in touch soon. Thank you so Okay. Much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.